0: concert pipeline that's Yen shippel and
1: that is steve jones
0: and this is episode 151 we've broken 150 yens we
1: have another 50 to go until the next big milestone
0: oh it's right around the corner isn't it it'll
1: just take a few weeks
0: yeah yeah just a couple just yeah uh, another year or so i mean at, at best right i mean because we do one almost every week, pretty much. There's a couple of off weeks, but generally one a week or so. But 50 in a year, I mean, that's ambitious. That doesn't usually happen. There are sometimes where we do two in a week, though. Last week we had two in a week. That was a pretty special week, right?
1: That's true, yeah. So let's see, 52 weeks in a year. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll hit 200 by next summer.
0: Hopefully, yeah. What next? By the beginning? Oh my God! No, there's no way. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if we do one once a week, then maybe we'll hit 200 by
0: by this, this time, time next, next year. year, which is yeah. not next summer. This is like the you know we're in September territory now. It's, okay.
1: Next fall. We'll, how about that? We'll next be, fall.
0: How about before 2019? Maybe.
1: There we go. Yes.
0: Right. Let's be realistic, Jens.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: and and we'll be lucky if you stick around that long because that is uh <laughs> no, you I,
1: know what I feel like we're gonna be we're gonna hit that milestone before the end of the year. Um, right. I know I'm thinking ambitious, but hey, if we can wrap things up by the end of twenty 28- eighteen. Team, that would be great.
0: Okay. Our bicentennial episode before 2018 is done, right? We've got some, yes. we've got some work to do. You better start booking some of these interviews that, uh, that you're not yeah. going to.
1: Our, th- our theme is going to be 200 for 2018.
0: It has a ring to it. You, it just flowed right off your, the tip of your tongue, it, right? It
1: did, yeah. I didn't mumble that or anything. It just flowed nicely, nice round numbers, you know, no odd numbers.
0: Right, right. Okay.
1: Except- The one, I guess.
0: You know what else flows right (laughs) off your tongue, Jens? How people can get a hold of us.
1: Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell us this time how people can get (laughs) a hold of
0: us? Okay, this is how a pro does it. Well, you want to get a hold of us, we should definitely subscribe to the podcast because you can tell your friends, family, uh, get them on board. You can do that at iTunes. Um, You can also listen to it on Stitcher. Uh, The social media, we got that covered, right? Facebook.com forward slash pod. And uh, Instagram, Twitter, Periscope, and YouTube are all at Concert Pipeline. That's how you get a hold of us.
1: That was smooth. Yeah, you are a pro. That just tells me: Have you been practicing that, or does it just it, flow? I mean, is that just how you roll?
0: It's from listening to you try and do it for the last.
1: How <laughs> many episodes? It's from me watching your ears bleed.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah, that's how, that's how you do it, Jan. So, uh, so let's talk about who we have on the podcast today, and we'll uh, and we'll get to the interview in just a little bit. But, you know, following uh, following up on last week's. Um, Super cool, great, awesome 150th episode featuring Foreigner and uh, Huey Lewis in the news review. That was big. That was monster, right? Well, we have to go just as big this week, and I feel that we did with this interview that we have. I was really proud of um, the interview, and it's uh, uh, a guy named Martin Barr, and you may not know him by his own name, but he's uh, from Jethro Tull, uh, and... Oh my gosh, the stories this guy has, and it's it's one of these artists that we have on the program from you know from t- uh, time to time that just can have so many stories, and you can dig in, and you never get tired of you know digging into it and hearing it, being a part of that scene uh, a little bit, and that's kind of what I got from my uh, phone conversation with Martin Barr. So very very cool conversation. He's coming up. He's got a couple of shows uh, around the bay uh, that you should uh, definitely check out in uh, in the coming. Uh, days um, actually a little bit later this week so uh so absolutely check uh, check it out if you get the chance um he's gonna put on a, a, a hell of a performance i think his shows are like three hours long um and a mix of his content his original music and jethro toll he pulled some of those out and does different renditions of them oh it's, it's going to be a good
1: show that sounds exciting that sounds exciting jethro toll is legendary
0: they that they are so um so martin is going to be on here in just a few minutes but before uh we get to that um uh, we each have a couple of stories to catch up on from uh the, the past week of from our own lives so jens what, what what do we start with yours what do you what do you got for us
1: i have such an exo- uh, exciting story to tell steve um you got a dog steve. No, I wish I could tell you a story about how I got a dog. That is not the story that I am going to tell today because that has not yet happened. But you will be the first to know here on Concert Pipeline um, about the dog that I'll have, that I don't have yeah, yet. Yeah, you
0: don't have yet, okay.
1: Stay tuned. Stay tuned to breaking news about my dog.
0: Also happening on episode 200. Okay. <laughs>
1: If I get a dog before episode 200, I am going to be thrilled, super, super thrilled.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. No. Okay. So I'd love to timeline. I'd love to get a dog before the end of the year. It is September almost. So time is counting down. We have like four months left. Yeah, four months. October, September.
0: Yeah, four, four months, September, October, September, November,
1: October December, November, December, right? Somehow I added a month.
0: Yeah, four months. We're done with August. That's pretty much behind us at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, my exciting story uh, is about uh, painting. Uh, ooh, no, okay. ooh, I know. no, I'm not an artist. I'm actually uh, painting a wall. You can uh, buy exclusive
0: uh, Yen Shippel uh, <laughs> paintings on Facebook.com forward slash concert Pipeline Pod.
1: Yeah, if you can. They'll be signed, and they're actually photographs of the wall uh, of uh, one of three walls of uh, the inside of the house I live in.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to so, pa- paint uh, murals of our guests.
1: No, I uh, You know what? Perhaps the podcast will inspire me to achieve such artistic heights uh-huh. like this, but. Uh, I'm afraid I am just not that talented. <laughs> you know, one color on one big flat area, you know, it kind of works for me right now. Broad strokes up and down, up and uh, down. Up and down, down up down down and out. down with the roller and uh-huh. sometimes, you know, bust out the little uh, paintbrush and kind of, you know, fill in some little corners and stuff. But anyway, long story short, uh, we had a few windows replaced in the house. Um, They did a great job replacing the windows, but what they don't do is uh, uh, paint, drywall, retexturing, priming, and painting. Yeah, So we had another guy come in that uh, did the drywall work. Um, We had to do drywall because the windows we got were different sizes than what we originally had there, so they had to do some reframing and some drywall. Anyway, um, so we had a guy come in and do that. So the only thing that we had left to do was just to sand uh, down the the drywall a little and then uh, prime and paint so I'm excited to announce that I have now officially finished the priming phase yes I did the sanding phase the priming phase so the next thing I got going for me uh, is gonna be the actual painting so hopefully if everything goes well I'm gonna paint the wall the exact same color that it currently is
0: Okay, it's uh <laughs> very, I mean, I don't know how if it gets more exciting than that,
1: but that's pretty damn exciting. That's more exciting than actually watching the paint dry on the wall.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: or... yeah. Great so... story. Is it? it's a great story so I mean I think that's the epitome of how damn exciting my whole week has been <laughs> if I have to share a story about painting you've been but, sniffing the paint a little much haven't you? I've been sniff- sniffing the paint yeah so anyway so uh, I'm looking forward to a nice day this upcoming Sunday I gonna celebrate uh, our buddy Tony's uh, birthday on the beach uh, Russian River same place I celebrated my birthday you were there Steve uh, you're so. gonna bail this year though. For Tony's not, birthday, not this so. year, okay, Strain okay, for his,
0: for his birthday. I didn't bit like bail the whole year. I went to yours. It was also this year.
1: I did Yeah, grow. okay, fine. Yes. All right, I'll give you that. I had I'll pre-existing
0: give. plans prior to uh,
1: being invited. so and Prior to being invited last minute. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much, right? So, Yeah, Yeah, that was too bad. Tony kind of planned that whole thing, I think, a week before it actually happened, so people didn't really get advance notice. Anyway, um, going to be a nice... Uh, nice Uh, relaxing at the river again. Uh, Looking forward to that.
2: That'll
0: be good. You're going to hit the rope?
1: No. No. (laughs) But what I will do is I will... Uh, take the raft to the rope and uh-huh. I'll watch the video that I took of you swinging on the rope and just reminisce okay. about the awesome times that I used to have back when Steve would hang out with me at Russian River, but now he's got better things to do apparently.
0: Better things to do. I- I'd rather be on the river to be honest, but I but I made a- I made a commitment, Jens, and one thing I am is I'm a guy of my
1: word. and That and- is good. That is a good quality to Have So... Let us transition. This is a great segue for you to tell us about what's going on with you. Why can you not go uh, to the river?
0: Oh well, I can't go to the river because I committed to my sister to go support her at her uh, San Francisco Giants five K, um, and uh, and that's about it. Right, and I'm going to watch her watch her start i mean i don't know just be there like it's not like i'm gonna see her running or anything like that but she wanted me and the kids to go and support her and her and my mom are big fans of the giants even though they're in last place and it's she's done a couple of 5ks i think she needs to move it up to a 10k but um but she's doing a 5k and i will be there for it i mean was it i think it was last year or was it the year before that i did the half i think it was last year i did the half marathon the giants it had to have been last year right i did that the giants half marathon um with joe and um and that was fun it was good it was good times the half marathon is super early and the 5k is like four hours later you know so sort of ridiculously later but um i'm just i'm not doing that run this year it's it's a lot of people and I have no chance in placing in it. There's, it, it's just ridiculous, and I've stepped back a lot from the running races. So, uh, so that's where I
1: will be. So, how does your sister feel about it? Uh, she's done a 5K before, right?
0: Yeah, she's done. She's done a handful. She did the Giants 5K last year, and it took forever. I mean, and. She's slow, she's not fast, right? But um, but also I guess they let, they released them. There are so many people doing the 5K. Like when we did the, Joe and I did the half marathon, it was at seven in the morning and you pretty much, I mean, yeah, you, you, you have to fill, funnel in and you bet you just go. It took us you know i don't know 20 seconds to get to the start line but hers like was in waves and they like you know space people out and everything and we're like what is taking so long like we estimated how long it should have taken her it was cold it was not enjoyable waiting after our half marathon for her to get back across the finish line and so we get i'm gonna go do that again except this- yeah
1: sounds, sounds exciting uh, san francisco okay. in the summertime even around now okay. Uh, as we you know are approaching fall uh it's very cold yeah yeah <laughs> where's the route i mean does it start it's, or end at the stadium
0: or uh yeah, i don't remember the 5k route yeah but it, yeah it starts at the stadium and ends at the stadium it's it's not uh, it's you go down along the wharf a, a little bit and then you turn back pretty much um 5k isn't super long it's three miles so you go down about um, a mile and a half and turn back and do the mile and a half back and i think you end on the field or something like that so uh, that's all
1: pretty straight i mean she doesn't yeah. have to worry about hills and stuff oh but. no no no
0: no there's no there's not a hill in sight no so she, cool yeah she'll be fine but it's just that's where i will be instead of relaxing and hanging on the uh, the beach so you're
1: not I'm noticing here that you're not running with her you're not actually participating in the run you're there for support but not as kind of the pace car for her right so are you flaking here are you getting kind of like lazy or are you just like you know, this is her thing and she's going to do it with, you know,
0: it's her thing. I'm not, I'm just not putting money into races. And you know, right now I've, I feel like I've done that chapter. I'm getting out and kayaking. I went kayaking this afternoon, just on the river for like an hour. And, um, I'm, I am still active. I, you know, I'm, I'd get out. I'm, I might run tomorrow. I'm talking to myself into, you know, trying to do five miles tomorrow, uh, morning, um, early, but I mean, I, I ran like Eighteen thousand steps or, uh, today. I mean, jo- a lot of jogging. Eighteen
1: thousand steps.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm doing that like every day for this challenge uh, that I'm in. And um, oh, that's
1: right, you're in this challenge. You know what? I don't think my watch goes up to eighteen thousand steps. That's why I've never. That's why you've never received the notification yes. from me that's that I reached eighteen thousand steps because my model. Only goes yeah. up to about a hundred.
0: You, you should have that checked out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. No, but, but anyway. You, but the story. But that yeah, I... you're you're absolutely correct. Yeah. You have been on the water doing your yeah. whole kayak thing, yeah. and I've got to say I'm very proud of you. I'm very impressed. Even even getting you know the whole the whole thing about getting the kayak on the car and then driving to the it's... lake and get the kayak off the car and then into the water, and then doing the whole thing in reverse is yeah. impressive. You know, minus the whole, like, paddling around in the water. Once and I, that alone is a lot of work.
0: Yeah, w- once I started doing it on the river, which is 15 minutes away, as opposed to going up to the lake, which is 45 minutes away, and then carrying it down to the lake, like, that was, that's a lot more of a to-do than going 15 minutes away. I mean, I just go out to the garage, and grab the kayak, toss it up. It takes, you know, three or four minutes to, to toss up and, you know, and head out and get, enjoy the, the nice day. So, I mean, it's uh, now, these,
1: now, these photos yeah. that you sent me, they look it's, like you're out on the lake.
0: I'm out on the river.
1: Yeah, that's a river. That was a Man, river. It looks like a lake.
0: <laughs> I mean, that it's a river. That's one big river. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now that's the Napa River, right? And uh, it the current is not all that strong there, right? So you're not like, well, white uh, rapids here.
0: No, 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 no. It it was stronger like last week when I went out, but um, but today it was nice and and pretty calm and everything. So. Um, there was one story I wanted to share, and that is actually tying into our guest from the pod last week, which is Foreigner. Uh, so next week, next Friday, Foreigner is playing at the Toyota Amphitheater in uh, Marysville, Wheatland, Sacramento area. The, uh, the amphitheater out there, and um, so and so, I'm going to be covering that show. Um, and I was going to originally take um, my buddy Jay. Uh, but, uh, he has family coming into town and, um, and so instead I'm like, okay, who am I going to take? Jens isn't going to go. Um, I, you know, cycling through other people who can I tolerate for, you know, enough hours in the evening, uh, for, during a concert. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm kind of picky. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to take my daughter Fern and no and, way. And so she's going to get to meet Foreigner. Um, and that's means nothing to her right now, but she's interested. She's, she's on board and she wants to go, I'm going to, uh, take her, uh, out of school for the day. And, um, and then we're going to go to Sacramento and I'll be working from Jay's house, but, uh, he's going to lend me his camera and, uh, um, and I'll get to take some pictures and, um, and we'll have a picture with foreigner together and she will not appreciate that now, but that's something she'll have 10, 20, 30 years from now, you know, uh, that, that will be pretty cool.
1: Right, right. I think she's going to really enjoy that, honestly. I mean, yeah, like you said, she doesn't have the history like, um, you know, older people do with with bands. But um, once she starts appreciating this kind of music, uh, she's going to, you know, remember this as one of, you know, uh, a special opportunity that she shared with her dad.
0: Yeah, and so it'll be her first real rock show, like a real rock concert and everything, Cheap Tricks opening, Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience. And so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it feels
2: like the first time. Like the very first time.
0: Right, so... (laughs) uh, I think that song's about something else, but...
1: um... (laughs) You know what? Have I told you the story about... um... I, 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 the songs that I love, I love because of the rhythm. I love I love them because of the music, the melody, the rhythm. I, I usually never try to understand what a song is about.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So, um, you know, I sing along and stuff, if I can understand the lyrics, but I, I, I seldom sit down and just look at the lyrics, try to figure out what the song is about, because I've done that too many times in the past, yeah. and it's ruined too many songs for me. Yeah. It's like, what? That's what this I, song is about. This is
0: horrible. I kind of think the lyrics to that song are pretty actually straightforward about what that's about, and I probably shouldn't be singing in reference to my daughter's. <laughs> We're gonna move on here, uh, and uh, uh and we'll report back to that on uh, the next episode of Concert Pipeline. Um, and uh, back to Martin Barr. So, like I said, um, Jethro Tull, he uh, was in Jethro Tull for uh, a really long time. He put out his first solo album, 1994, A Trick of Memory. Um, and we had a great conversation. And you know what? We're going to get into it right now. So let's take a listen to my interview with Martin Barr.
3: Hello, this is Steve Jones. Oh, hi, Steve. It's Martin. uh Sorry I'm late.
0: <laughs> hey, no, no worries. No worries. We got you now, right? So we're good. <laughs> uh, good. Yeah. How are you doing today, Martin?
3: I'm doing really well. Okay, so you're in the UK right now, right? Yeah, we're sort of getting ready to um, to come over in 10 days. So, and we've got a, a festival to play in the UK next week. And then we are sort of within a couple of days, we're, we're over there. So yeah, we're um, rehearsing, recording for a new CD. Uh, <laughs> everything's going on.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot going on, and and you uh, recently had a, a U.S. tour as well, right? That you finished just a couple months ago.
3: Yeah, we were out there April, uh, April and May, and and now this one coming up to our fifth U.S. tour, so we've been pretty busy. And um, the the first few years of of the Martin Bar band, we we played a lot in Europe and England, and uh, and the last. To almost three years we've we concentrated on coming over to the states and um and, and getting it established over there,
0: yeah, and so how was the response on your most recent u
3: s tour uh it's been amazing, you know I think people don't know what to expect, I think traditionally that when um a member of of a big band goes out on his own um it usually people are underwhelmed <laughs> because it's uh you know it's not the real thing and uh I think I think people expect to be disappointed that that they expect to get a, a lesser beast, if you like. But um, in fact um, with my band, although I say it myself that the, that the opposite is true, w we we, we our band is better than any Jeff Rosel band that ever existed, any lineup and uh and uh, we, we we play really good music. We can play anything we want, so we've got the whole catalog to draw from. And uh, and then I've got my solo albums, and it's it, it's a very free um, reservoir of of music we can we can draw from, and uh, so we can we can have a really great evening of music.
0: Absolutely. And so you kind of split between uh, between Tall and your solo stuff and your in your solo performances, right?
3: yeah we, we we do i mean the, the pretty well equal uh and of the material and, and we we swap it around um you know from tour to tour and during the tour we, we we've got a we've got a, a, a lot of music that, that we that we can play um and and i i like to switch it about you know i i like to change it up for the band and you know it, it, it's it's good you know a bit movement with a state um the state set is, is is a healthy thing for everybody.
0: Yeah, and you reconstruct a lot of the songs, also the classic tall songs. You uh, you mm-hmm. kind of make, reconstruct them and kind of bring a new feel to them, right? How do you kind of go in and approach that when you do that?
3: Um, I, I just look at look, look at a song that I like, uh, and and then I I just think about it, and and, and sometimes um, you come to the conclusion, you know, that that, that it's perfect. As it was written and recorded um, way back, uh, and other times just think, you know, I could do something really crazy or, or really cool with that song, and and just sort of represent it in, in a different way. And uh, so, so the, the, the best ones are sort of very, uh, very quiet and polite acoustic songs, and uh, and I, you know, sort of put like a punk or a rock or a blues edge to it. And it's, I don't ruin the song, uh, but, but I just sort of reinvent it. And um, people really like what we do. So you know, it's been a successful experiment.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so going back, I want to kind of uh, learn a little bit about where you came from musically and yeah. how we got to where we are today, really. So um, mm-hmm. I know, uh, I guess as a kid, your, your father wanted to play the clarinet professionally. So tell me a little bit about okay. the, the musical inspiration that came from him and, uh, and your family.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not a musical family. Uh, my, my granddad was a professional violinist. Uh, and my dad loved music, he loved jazz, and uh, he'd buy me records, but, but he, he never imposed anything on me, uh, and, and uh, in, in fact, it, the opposite was true, but, but um, I just got to like music, uh, I, I was a bit of a, um, I was different to the other kids, <laughs> sounds bad, but you know, I, I just never wanted to conform you know, I didn't want to be—I didn't want to go and work in a bank or in a uh, be an accountant or a lawyer—and uh, a hated university. I was just bored. I just wanted to do something exciting. And um, by default, I started playing music. And and my dad encouraged me, but in a very subtle way. You know, he 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 just gave me the space to find myself, and he didn't sort of push me one way or another. But he'd buy me some albums to. To listen to, and and funnily, I, I started off on guitar, and, and he bought me sort of um, Barney Kessel, Wes Montgomery, uh, and, and I didn't really like the guitar side of it, but I loved the flute player. So um, uh, I went out and bought a flute pretty soon after I learned to play guitar. Started on guitar, uh, and 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 then I just joined bands, played, 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 played. So I've been playing live music uh since probably around 1965 um and i, I just i've I'd, I'd, I'd loved every year and, and i've had lots of different influences i've played in soul bands in rhythm and blues in tamla uh blues rock <laughs> absolutely absolutely everything that's going and, and and that's what i like about music is, is that you can you can change direction. You can look anywhere yeah. and find inspiration and, and, and find beautiful music.
0: Yeah. So that, so the guitar wasn't your first kind of love, but obviously you grew to, to that. So how was your relationship with the guitar at, at first? How would you describe that? Was it, was it, you know, was it natural? It just wasn't the most comfortable or where were you on that?
3: Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that anybody can do something if they want to do it enough. And uh, i you know, I'm I'm not a child prodigy. Um, I'm not a virtuoso, and uh, I, I guess there are people that just play their uh, instruments, and, and are unbelievable. Like you know, from, since people like Paganini, who, who was just a, a, a maestro, uh, and, and he went to a level far, far in excess of other people, um, and and I don't understand what that is. Any more than anybody else would, but um, I'm just normal, and, and I work hard, and, and I love what I do, and I just think anybody who has that love, um, and patience, and um, commitment can, can can do what they whatever they want to do. And so I'm I'm just ordinary, I'm normal, and, but I've been playing a long time, and, and I've never I've never put the guitar on the shelf, I've never had time off, and I've never wanted it either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh you mentioned kind of starting out with some uh, other bands and that kind of led to Jethro Toll, right? Like so the uh Jethro's manager was in the audience and I guess they he uh sent up a card to you to kind of audition for Jethro, is that right?
3: Yeah, well I I i met Jethro Toll in a blues club near where I live in near Plymouth in England. Um in 19 beginning of 1968. And because I played flute, and I played flute in, in the Roland-Kirk style as well, me and Ian sort of had a lot in common. And, um, and they, they liked my band, and obviously I liked them. They were well known in England as a blues band. So, so we sort of met and got to know each other a little bit. And they they remembered me, but they couldn't remember my name or the name of the band. So Terry Ellis spent many weeks tracking me down and... Um, he he found me on the very last show that my band was going to play we we were going to quit and um, go our own ways because uh, um, that that band had been going for three years in in different formats so he he literally found me at the last show that I would have done Uh, it's it's a a whole string of coincidences and happenstance and uh, you know what ifs yeah um but uh yeah and you know i auditioned um they picked tony i to start with but you know tony didn't really adapt to the music that that soul wanted to play so um i got a second go and uh and yeah that was it
0: yeah yeah that second go you know brought you right in right so Uh, So so tell me about that experience kind of coming into the band that was already, you know, kind of had started to make a name for itself and then you come in and kind of the feel of the band changes a a little bit. The band develops more uh, from there, right?
3: Yeah, well, uh, in many ways it it was good because it was a a pure blues band and the audience in the UK, uh, when I joined it, expected the same music. Of course, what they got was a music of stand-up, and they didn't like it. You know, so the very first few gigs in England, people really didn't take to what we were doing. So, you know, whether they focused on it being my fault uh, or not, I don't know, but um, it it was a a change of direction, a, a radical change of direction that Ian saw in the future of music uh, beyond the blues and you know it' being very very different which uh of course Jethro Toll always has been and um so it suited him that I wasn't a blues player or you know I didn't have any sort of preconceptions of what to play or or which style of music I I, I play mixed styles up all the time so it, it, it was a sort of a good marriage uh and and by by the second or third week we'd been together, people came over to our side and and, and began to like what we were doing. Um, we did a tour of Scandinavia with Hendrix, uh, and and then uh, then we came to the States in for the very first time in early 1969. And 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 for me, that is the beginning of Jethro Tull because the the whole history of Jethro Hotel starts in New York City, whenever it was, March, April of 1969. I think it's probably February or March, um, and and really the, the American audiences took to Jethro Toll amazingly, and uh, and and that really started our career as as a as a, a an international band. So for me, that 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 was sort of day one
0: it sounds a lot like the beatles to me right like a, a, their, their success story and uh and i know you've had a chance to to work with paul mccartney a little bit you spent a week with him recording uh, which ultimately yeah. uh came to be, uh you know to be performing on uh, atlantic ocean tell me a little bit about that experience yeah. for you yeah.
3: well you, you know the, the was very isolated in the early days it, it, it was a very competitive um uh as well. you know we'd play with many, many, many bands, but was always that sort of feeling of you know blowing other bands off the stage, winning over the audience. It that it, there wasn't that that sort of togetherness that bands feel today. It's uh so so we were, and and plus we were sort of different. You know we didn't do the big drugs party, uh, crazy rock and roll deal. We we, we took very, very seriously, what we did, and uh, we were very intense with the music. Um, But the the downside of that is that we didn't mix with other musicians, and sort of 10, 15, 20 years down the line, um, I I and the others had never played with other musicians, and uh, and I I wanted to. You know, I I really love playing with different musicians, so I started to do other people's albums as a guest, and, and then eventually, I had the chance to play with Paul McCartney, and it, it was just an, an amazing week at work. Um, it, it's incredible. Uh, it, it's, it's so special because he was my hero um, in my teenage years, and you know I love the Beatles, and and I love Sergeant Pepper. That that the, they are, and always will be, uh, an an amazing band. So, so it's actually work alongside it was just a, a fantastic experience and it, it, it was really good for me it was uh, very nerve-wracking um, but I had to get through it because I really really wanted to so it, it was very re- rewarding and, and then since that I think it's helped me be able to work with anybody everybody and anybody and I think you just have to sort of um, flatten the playing field so that you know we're all Playing music, you know, you might be famous, you might be a nobody, yeah. You might be somebody that I've never heard before. You might be somebody who I've I've been listening to all my life. But essentially, when you work together, you all start from from scratch and, and build up a musical relationship, and I find that really exciting.
0: I bet that if someone told you as a kid, "Hey, you know, when you uh, when you grow up a little bit, you're going to be playing with you know with Paul McCartney," you would have told them they're yeah. they're out of their mind, right? <laughs>
3: Oh, well, absolutely, because it, it never happened, you know. But p- people didn't in the early days, and and and, and they were icons. I mean, that the, the, they were the rock stars of the day. Well, you know, he still is, and and sort of untouchable, really. And uh, even your wildest dreams, that you, you wouldn't have guessed that, that you get to play together. But uh, yeah, it was it was really special. But then. Other things are special too, you know, playing with Hendrix was yeah. amazing, playing Phil Collins, played with, I mean, you know, all these people are fabulous musicians and, uh, and it, it's, a, it's a great privilege to be able to work with them and to sort of build it into your um, life of experience.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned Hendrix, and I wanted to mention that too because I know you've uh, you mentioned you played a, t- a tour with them, and of course you played the mm. Isle of Wight Festival that Hendrix played. Yeah. Like, did you get to spend some time with Hendrix and uh, like have conversations yeah, with him and jam with him and all that? Yeah,
3: I, I, I never jammed with him. I can't tell a lie, uh, <laughs> but I, I met him many many times, and um, and and he was a very 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 nice person, and uh, considering that that he was the first huge musician that I played with when I joined Sol. Uh, he, he made me feel just really at ease and it, it, it was I, I always enjoyed meeting up with him. Uh and, and you know I'm a huge was a huge fan of of, of Hendrix and, and always will be. But uh, you yeah, know and, and and you learn from the way people are, you know, I've met a lot of musicians Um, Well, I wish I hadn't have met because, you know, I love their music or I love their playing. And and then, you know, if if you don't like the person, it ruins everything about them. But uh, thankfully, uh, there's a lot of people that I met and um, not only are they great musicians or or were part of a great, uh, making great music, but but they, they were really... Good people as well, and, and and I think you can learn so much from the way people um, behave and, and, and their personalities.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and so uh, moving forward a little bit. Um, so you you put out your first real solo album in like 1994, A Trick of Memory, right? To- tell me
3: yep, sounds about right
0: yeah you take a word right for <laughs> right. it right uh so tell me kind of how you uh how you approach that um having you know having been uh, strictly so uh Jethro Atoll for so long how did you kind yeah. of set, you know do uh, how did you do that off the side how did that come about
3: um well I, I, again you know the early days of trial oh, we, we never had time off We were always touring or in the studio <clears throat> um and, and, and then uh, I think in '83, um, Ian took a year out, and and, and he wrote and recorded a, a, a solo album called *Walking to Light*. And uh, and I took that opportunity to to start writing and recording myself because I, I mean I just had nothing to do. In fact, it was only probably six months, but um, you know I, I'd written tiny amounts of music, and and, and knew that I enjoyed the process. But uh, but I actually started learning how to write music in in, in a committed way and um, the, the first the first batch of songs I wrote were brief <coughs> weren't very successful to me um, but then you know, a year down the line having gone through that initial learning process of, of of getting in the studio with my own music teaching other people my own music and sort of really putting your neck on the line because. I think that the, the the intimidating thing is, is having people introduced to your own music and, and you really pray that they, they like what they're hearing because, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the worst fear is that, that other people don't like playing on, on your own music because they, they don't really have an empathy with it. But, um, you know, I, I got to enjoy... But writing as much as I enjoy playing and uh, and I, I have to learn how to write songs and but but it was fun, so you know the having done a trick of memory, which is a, a big project um but uh, whenever I had time off from solo i i I'd, I'd I'd work on another solo project as well yeah
0: and um and you mentioned kind of uh having to Throw some uh, some songs out and everything. I know you've kind of done albums and thrown like entire albums uh, out, right? Like, how does how does that work? How does that process go for you? Where you kind of get to, where you're like, you know, this isn't what I wanted it to be or what I envisioned, and you can kind of let go of it like that.
3: Um, I'm, I'm I'm quite um, at ease with, with my songwriting. Um, I love writing music and and. It, um, I won't say it comes easy, but but I uh, I just really enjoy it, and I think when you enjoy it, you, you don't have those problems of frustration and of, uh, of of going through any negative aspects of it at all. It's it's a very positive experience. Um, the hardest part is is, is the lyrics, and, uh, and 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 that's when I'm really self-critical and. And I spend weeks and weeks writing and rewriting lyrics, that um, you know that, that they they need to be of an equal standard as the as I hope the music is. So it's uh, <clears throat> that's where the pressure is. But um, you know I I, I don't I, mean, I, I, I don't if I say that I, I don't have any music that I've written that, that, that I thought wasn't good enough. It might happen you know once in a year, but that there's something, even if I reject a piece of music, there'll be something inside of that music that that I'll carry forward and just adapt it or rewrite it or just take out the good ideas and and develop them in in a different direction. But um, now I find music writing to be one of the things I really love doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so... So, like two thousand and one comes around, and uh, and then and that's kind of a p- pivotal point for you because that's when uh, when Toll kind of separated. I mean, Ian kind of pulled the plug on uh, on Toll, and it, it sounds like it really yeah. threw you for a loop, right?
3: Um, well, well, it was I I I didn't know it was going to happen. So, I mean, literally the rug was pulled from under my feet, and um, but but I'm a, a very determined person, and. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not aggressive in my personality, but in my music, I, I'm I'm very stubborn, and 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 I I, I work really I well I hope I do I work really really hard because I always want to play music, but I always want to play good music and write good music and play guitar as well as I can. So I take a big pride in, in in everything I do. So it it was a challenge, and um, and in many ways. The fact I didn't see it coming, uh, it put me in at the deep end and, and, I, and I really had to start working hard to, to develop my own career. And, uh, and I'm glad, you know, I've, 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 I've really enjoyed doing it. Um, I've enjoyed d- doing the three albums I've done so far and I'm working on the fourth now. Um, so, so it just put me in a position where I had to really fight for my life, uh, my life in music. Um, but it it's it sort of you know, it, it, in some ways it brings out the best because uh, I'm I'm not gonna give up. Yeah. Um, I, I want I wanna have the best band of musicians around me. I wanna play the best music I can possibly play and, and I love the writing as I've already said. I love arranging. I mean arranging music. You know, we do things we do Beagle songs as <laughs> you know, we do Eleanor Rigby and we do um we do another Beatles song and, and I, I just sat down and rearranged them both and it, it, it's such a, a, an exciting process. So there's I get to do so much more than I ever did in Jethro Tell and, and and maybe in, in many ways I, I was I was repressed although I wasn't aware of it, you know, I just I had a very short leash on me, um particularly in the latter days of Jethro Tell. Um, so, so it, it it was a you know I, I was reborn really and and as dramatic and as corny as that sounds, um, it really does fit what happened to me.
0: Yeah, and and so I get the sense that you know though uh, I mean if if the opportunity were to come around that you'd be open to it. Like say the rock and roll hall of fame comes up, comes up and, you know, and is going to induct Tull into the hall of fame. I think you'd be open to it from what I sense, but would you think that'd be something that Ian would be open to kind of getting back together and performing, you know, one last time um, for, for a big occasion. Uh, like
3: that? I, I don't, I don't think it will happen. Um, uh, no, it won't happen. And, and the longer time goes on, the less likely it is. um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what Ian's doing. And, and in many, you know, in, in, in every way, I don't want to know because it, it won't affect what I do because I, I have a sort of focus and, and an energy which won't be swayed. Um, and and I'm out there playing to a lot of Jeff Rotel fans uh, and I get a huge amount of support. And, you know, I'm... I'm playing music that they always wanted to hear live. But we, we, but Jethro Tull never played, so I'm going back to uh, over that huge catalogue and picking out some of the real classic songs that uh, maybe some of them were never played on stage. But when people hear them, they're like, <laughs> they're really, really happy to hear it played live. And I've got a, a great singer, a um, uh, fantastic band behind me. So, so we play it really well. Um, I mean everything for me is, is incredibly positive and, and incredibly forward looking. Uh and if I was being honest, I see what I'm doing being in its ascendancy. And uh, and I think because unfortunately for Ian, you know, his voice is sort of deteriorated. Um and and I don't think he's particularly interested in 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 the musicians that surround him. You know, he, he doesn't want to play with um, with anybody. Uh, I don't know how I can put this, but he, he wants to be the, the completely the focus of, of of what happens on stage. So he he doesn't really want any personalities on stage. So the the product of that is is that the the, the Tends to be a little bit bland, and, and uh, uh, um, I'm not criticising what they are, but they don't they don't have that spirit, and, and Jethro Tull music has an emotion and a spirit, and, and a great sense of history and importance about it, and, and I think to be able to play that music, you, you've got to be really inside of it. You know, you, you can you can hear a, a in, in any Know, be it Led Zeppelin or Deep Purple or Queen, you know, you hear a tribute band, but they're a tribute band for a reason, it's because of, that they just can, will never get inside of that music. You can learn it, but you can't live it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, I, that's what I'm saying, is that I, I'm, I'm, because the guitar was such an important part of Jethro toll that, that I'm very lucky that I can really develop that, that uh, inside knowledge and emotion.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like the guitar is pivotal to Jethro Tull, right? Like, I mean, we're talking Aqualung wouldn't have been the same with, without the guitar, right? I mean, that is such a big piece of, of that song, right? So, I mean, how how did that come about for you?
3: Um, by default, you know, I, I think, um, that, funnily enough, and I'm sure Ian laughs about it, um, to himself at least, that it, it, he didn't realise how big that song would be uh, and of course there's no flute on it so it's uh, it's hilarious that Death Row Hotel's biggest song uh, is based around the guitar playing and it's a great song And obviously the words are really important and uh, the arrangement but, but essentially um, I think Ian wishes there had a bit <laughs> a lot more flute playing on it so he, he, he'd, he'd would be identified with it a lot more than he is. But you know, in the early days, it, we were a guitar, the, the flute sort of uh, had a had a different role to play. And a lot of it was because in the early days, you know, the PA's weren't good, and you, you couldn't really project the flute into the music as much as you can you could now. So it was all we were always a guitar-based rock band. Um, and, and the singer played flute, uh, and uh, that was the sort of layering of it. Um, so the importance was always focused on bass, drums, and guitar. We, we, we were a rock band.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to ask you just a couple of questions about your new uh, new material as well, of course. Um yeah. Back to Steel is your uh, newest album came out uh, two years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned uh, the cover of Eleanor Rigby uh, on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, t- tell me how that how that song came uh, came about to be on the album. How did you pull that one? I know obviously we've talked about the Beatles in the interview, and uh, and what an inspiration yeah. and connection you have with them.
3: I'd, well, I'd i have written that arrangement a long time ago as a guitar instrumental, uh, because essentially in every tour. Uh, I, I, I would have a, an instrumental slot in the set. And I'd always write the music, and uh, and it was sort of just an idea. I thought i would do something that everybody knows rather than a, a new piece of music that, I, that I'd write. And and I never did anything with it. You know, I, I, I rewrote the chords and sort of had a, a, a sort of idea of how to how to change it. But um, I mean, really. I just have a lot of fun in the studio. I, I, I love playing around with ideas. And, uh, and I just thought, let, let's develop that piece of music uh, and, and really make it into uh, something very quirky, very different. Uh, which, and and I, I didn't know it would be as good as I, as I think it turned out. We would be we rehearsed it as a band. And I was sort of expecting to, at the end of... An hour saying, "Well, oh yeah, well it was. We had a bit of fun with it. Um, right, let's get serious again." Um, but it, it, it sounded great in rehearsal, so I thought, "Right, let's just let's just record it." And um, it's a dangerous area. Yeah. <laughs> and the album that, <laughs> excuse me, that I'm doing now, will be all all my own material. Um, I, I'm not going to do anything other than my own writing. I think you know it's probably time to <coughs> dedicate a whole CD to 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 the new my own music writing uh, and see what happens. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's literally I, I like to have fun. and and if I think something can be really um, interesting to do and a little departure from being normal <clears throat> and a chance to be a bit unpredictable, then you know I'm going to grab it
0: absolutely and uh, and so the title track of back to Steel kind of stems from this trip to Nashville that you had and, uh,
3: okay.
0: and so tell me tell me a little bit about that
3: well um, like most guitars I'm a bit of a geek and uh, you know I, I, I love guitars I love buying a guitar selling a guitar um, uh, they're my bread and butter and uh, obviously you know they're, they're, I just I have a huge passion for the for the instrument, and um, I went up to Nashville uh, to sell a guitar. Funny enough, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but they had uh, they had a sort of old, sort of semi-acoustic, electric, uh, m- 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 more of a jazz guitar, and it wasn't very much money, but it was just beautiful, and um, you know from sort of the mid fifties, and and I, uh, uh, so, so I bought it. Um, on the spot you know just because I, I had to have it and um and i was driving back to mississippi and uh, stopped off at a motel to have a you know bit of sleep and, uh, and I, I got the guitar out of the case and you know it, it just the, the whole sort of thing about the history of a guitar of who played it what sort of music was played on it and who loved this instrument who looked after it Uh, I I just think they have ghosts and and, and this one oozed (laughs) good, good vibes, you know, for want of a better expression. Yeah. And and I ended up sitting at the whole night playing it. It was just a beautiful instrument. And uh, and I just thought, you know, that this is me at my happiest. It's just me with uh, some wood, steel (laughs) and, uh, you know, uh, a nice quiet room.
0: That's so great to hear. I love hearing, <laughs> hearing the story behind that and uh, and kind of how it came to be. And, and so
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, as, as we move to where we are now, like you said, you're uh, you're I mean, obviously you're touring as well, but you're in between uh, dates. You're you're working on this new album. When uh, So yeah. it's going to be all original um, uh, material. Mm-hmm. And what else uh, can we expect from from this album? How are you changing your approach uh, for this album um, or,
3: or are you? I, you know, I, I've I've learned from Back to Steel that, that how important it is for them to be really successful live, and, and the title track works really great, and and, and we'll, we'll certainly play that on this tour. and um, you know, it, it, it's I think it's slightly unpredictable about how music works live, and and certainly we've told you know, we, 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 and and again in the latter years. That there were some albums we did, and we, we got out and two of them. But within a year, we probably dropped all but one of the, the songs because they, they just, you know, I mean, they're they're up against some great stuff. So, I mean, if, if they don't really uh, make it um, on a toll level, you know, they 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 then get completely forgotten and unplayed, and it happened a lot. So I I don't like that. You know, I, I want to. To have albums that, that, essentially, if you wanted to, you could just play the whole album in one go or in in one evening, and and they would all work really well. So I'm I'm sort of very focused on making them accessible, exciting, rhythmic, and you know it, they they've got a blues edge to them. You know, I, I've uh, I've I've sort of got back to the <laughs> the essentials of what what music is, and and uh, I mean, I I just think the blues is uh, the the building blocks of of all music, not 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 just rock and roll and blues, Um, and and I always try and keep that influence and uh, in the writing. So it's it's going to be very direct and 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 hopefully you know very rhythmic and straightforward and accessible.
0: And so when uh, when do you project that uh, that coming out? Do you, th- do you think sometime next year, maybe?
3: Yeah, well, I, I'm running out of time. Yeah. I've done eight tracks, and, uh, and I've I mean, i I've written a lot of music. I did eight tracks about two weeks ago in the studio. I've sort of redone the guitars, and um, and, and I've written lyrics, and I'm hoping that, um, that when we rehearse for the tour next week that we can put a couple of vocals down and, and so I can at least have something that, that's, you know, virtually finished that I can say this is the sort of thing I'm doing. Um, it's, it's, I, I've, I've just run out of time and um, you know the, the, the organisation to do two months touring in America is, is absolutely huge. So I'm always juggling, you know, I, 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 I don't want to do... Um, administration at all but um but me and my wife you know we we, we sort of look after all the business side of things and uh <laughs> we do it really well because you know we've been traveling for for 50 years so so we know how to tour and make it comfortable and make it uh good fun for everybody else but uh essentially i hate the fact that you know i've got to scrabble for time to to play my music and to work on on the album but um yeah, it could be next year. It could be next year, but it, it, it's it's pretty pretty well um, down the line. You know, I've done. I think I've got sort of seventy five percent of it written and recorded.
0: I like it. I like it. And as we wind out, let's talk about the live shows that you have coming up in the Bay Area. Uh, you're you're going to be hitting Oakland, Petaluma, Santa Cruz, Sacramento. Yeah. So a lot of local cl- uh, shows uh, around here. And and when you perform, you perform for like. Two and a half, three hours, right? Like, where do you find the energy to to go to go that long? When many ba- many younger uh, bands are fighting for an hour, hour and a half, t- and exhausted. Really.
3: <laughs> um Well, you know, I go and see other bands play, and, and 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 I I don't like to keep an audience waiting. We're very punctual. We 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 I, I know what people expect from live music, and that they you know they don't want to see a band going through its paces. That they, it's a visual, it's a communication and, and, and music is, is the, the centre of it all. But I, I think there's a lot more to playing live and, and I, we, we try and make it a, a really great evening for everybody. Um, I, I don't have a problem with energy. <laughs> I've got lots of energy. Um, and, and I love playing. So, you know, the, 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 there's nothing going on there. That, that, that isn't absolutely 100% positive. So uh, it, it's taken almost three years to get to the West Coast, and, and in many ways, you know, I, I wanted to go there first. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a big country, America is, as we all know. It is. So um, it, it's the first time over on the West Coast, and uh, and it, it won't be the last by a, 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 long, a long way.
0: Yeah, and and uh, and you mentioned the, the the Bay Area. I mean, w- and wanting to come here first. do You have, as we wrap, uh, a lot of the kind of great memories from performing in the Bay Area. Like, did you interact yeah. with Bill Graham a lot and stuff? Or
3: uh, well, you know, after have to go back to uh, Fillmore West, Dave. Yes. And um, and the very first time we were in the States, you know, I mean, New York was incredible. We we'd never seen anything like it in our lives, and then we sort of went to Boston, Detroit, Chicago. Uh, Minneapolis, and uh, I can't remember where else. But um, it, but, but when we we, f- we flew to San Francisco with our first West Coast gig, and uh, it was just, you know, the, I, I can I can remember the smell, the, the feeling of being there, and the 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 air, the light. It, it, it was such an amazing experience, and I'll, I'll never forget it. So. Uh, In my life of music, it will always have a a huge space, and uh, uh, I I have a lot of great memories. And uh, you know, of course, since 1969, we've uh, played so many shows um, around the Bay Area, down through LA, and uh, I I just essentially I love playing anywhere, if it's somewhere that's really beautiful and has a lot of memories and history to it, that then, you know, that that makes it
0: even more special. Absolutely. Well, Martin, thank you for taking the time today. I mean, it's been, has been such an incredible conversation and I love hearing uh, all about your history with, you know, Tull and your solo stuff. And, uh, and, you know, I'm hoping to get to check you out when you come to the Bay Area as well. So
3: yeah. So yeah.
0: Thank you for taking the time today.
3: You're very welcome. Yeah. Thank you,
0: Steve. Could you, could you do a promo for the podcast real quick?
3: Hi, this is Martin Barr uh, from the UK, coming over to the USA very, very soon, and you're listening to the Concert Pipeline.
0: Perfect. Thank you, thank you, Martin. Uh, Yeah, good luck in the UK shows, and we'll see you soon in in the United States, okay?
3: Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Take care.
0: That was the interview with Martin Barr of Jethro Tolfame. Thank you, Martin, for being on the program. Such a great chat, like I said, and uh, I hope everybody stayed tuned because that was a it was a long conversation, but man, so enriching. I just I just love hearing those all the stories and the passion and the connection and just everything from um, from classic rock artists like him. So uh, very cool. Jens, it is time for our next and kind of our last segment. What uh, what time is it, Jens?
1: It's music news time. Favorite hands down time of the podcast because it's always a, it's always it's exciting it's always exciting to listen to this part of the segment because everybody wants to know if I'm going to be able to pronounce people's names correctly right it's like the most exciting part about music news it's not even the news it's about like if Jens can pronounce names correctly so. Oh. You know? if, if
0: that's the excitement about it, I shouldn't have asked you to pre-read your stories, <laughs> which which doesn't even always mean that we're gonna, you know, get the correct pronunciation just because you pre-read it. So, we'll
1: we'll see how you do. I, I cheated, man. This is what yeah. I've, this is what I've come down to. I, I've got to do my my uh, you know my research first here. Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: I will start with the first story, and I'll give you a break, and uh, for for you to work on your. <laughs> On your story. So, first story is about one of my favorite musicians, and that is Dave Grohl. Uh, he reveals his possible next career move, right? Dave Go, uh, always innovating, always uh, leading edge, uh, you know, such a rock god.
1: He's, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Next career move? I can't imagine him doing anything else besides Foo Fighters stuff.
0: Uh, I can imagine him doing anything. Anything he puts his mind to will be amazing, right? Um, well, so he just directed his daughters in the latest Foo Fighters video, The Sky is a Neighborhood. And uh, and. That video is so cool. Like I mean, it's it's incredible. I'm gonna go watch it like five times after uh, we're we' finished uh, podcasting. I just watched it before we we started recording, actually. I was like, oh, yeah, I heard that came out. I hadn't seen it yet. So go check it out. The Sky is a Neighborhood, uh, and his daughters are in it, um, and they're actually singing to his song. Not like they're just like karaoke-ing or anything, but th- as part of the video, they're singing to it, and, uh, and it's, it's really cool. Um, he said he has grander cinematic goals in mind for the future. Uh, last year I was approached to make a feature film and I was a little hesitant at first and then I got into it, he said recently, speaking with Rolling Stone. Uh, I started working on product, uh, production and getting into casting with these big names and at first I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do it. And once my heart clicked uh, I just dive uh, head first into whatever it is and I really got into the script and visualizing the story but I didn't have time to do it. Uh girl declined to reveal the identity of those big names He did, however, say it was just a matter of time before filmmaking becomes the uh, full-throttle endeavor. Someday I'm going to wind up doing it, he said, but the Foo Fighters always get in the way, (laughs) he joked. Uh, And then uh, he said, I can see myself doing more and more of it as the years come. The film's still in rewrites, and once we get uh, the rewrites happening, I'm sure the casting will kick in and pull our teams together, but uh, I like my day job. Uh, I really enjoy my day job, he says. So that's uh, Dave Grohl on... Uh, on the next chapter of uh, of his career.
1: That is exciting. You know what? I can imagine him uh, being in a film that goes down in history. You know, I'm thinking something along the lines of uh, uh, Bowie and um, uh, the movie about the babe.
3: The movie? <laughs> the
1: movie? Okay. The movie about the no. babe. Okay, um, labyrinth. yes, there you go. You. Oh,
0: okay, yeah.,
1: right. <laughs> which was an awesome film. Yes. i uh, I can totally see Grohl um, going into film and making something iconic.
0: And he's not even saying like acting or anything because he's talking about being behind the camera, I think, and um but uh, uh I don't know, I I'd see it. Yeah, he's, he's he wants to be behind
1: the camera. What he wants to like be a cameraman.
0: He's like making the film. That doesn't mean like acting. That means making the film. Like not oh. not a cameraman. Like a director, dude.
1: Like a director. Oh, I see. Okay, I uh-huh. will go see it. Okay. I think he should be in the movie too, though.
0: Maybe he will. Some directors direct themselves. So, oh.
1: <laughs> like uh, Quentin Tarantino, he does
0: that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. Yeah. See. Good job, Jens
1: All right. All right. What what is your story? I got a story. You ready for this? I am. I got a story about R. Kelly.
0: Okay. Hit it.
1: So this guy got hit with the new underage sex accusation. Can you believe this?
0: I wish he would just get hit because uh, (laughs) I do not like this guy. Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, one would never think that something like this would happen to R. Kelly, Right. Right. Anyway, so this is the deal, sarcasm aside. Uh, the new accuser has stepped forward to say she had sex with the R. Kelly when she was 16. Did you, did
0: you say the R. Kelly?
1: That's what the article says. He, start with the R. Kelly. I'll repeat it. A okay. uh, new accuser has stepped forward to say she has had sex huh. with the R. R. Oh, Kelly It does say that she oh, was my God. 16. It okay. does say that. It, it, yes. it, you can take. Sometimes out I D. will insert words into articles, but <laughs> I read this verbatim. He's,
0: he's not. He's just R. Kelly, and he yeah. shouldn't even be that. But yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, so the accuser, Jerhonda, was a um, 15-year-old high school sophomore in Chicago when she first met Kelly outside the courtroom of his 2008 trial for allegedly making child. I
0: mean, this is a win right here, right? Like, he's walking out the courtroom for a really bad kitty crime, and he's like, hmm, I, I can do another one right here, right? Like, if you want a movie, like, this is this is the movie, right? Like, he sees her outside the courtroom coming out from make a, a trial. I don't know if he was proven guilty or not, but, but the trial is from making child pornography. And he uh, he gets himself into statutory rape.
1: Didn't even that's, get to the car. I know, not even outside of the damn, uh, well outside of the building, but well outside of the courtroom. Not necessarily yeah. outside of the building, but definitely not in the car. Oh, I mean, this God. guy doesn't waste any time. He, he is did, resourceful when it comes to this stuff. That is insane, right? <laughs> yeah, that's totally fucking crazy. So.
0: Oh, he was found not guilty, right? So. Uh,
1: okay, so Kelly was found not guilty. Yeah, exactly, on all 14 counts. Uh, following their meeting, an associate of Kelly's friend on her MySpace. Do people still what, use what's that? What's MySpace? This is oh my so. God. This
0: was back in 2008. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I something.
1: guess uh, MySpace yeah. was a bigger of a deal, 2008. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, invited her to a party at Kelly's mansion, uh, according to the report from the same outlet behind. Uh, other recent accusations against Kelly. Then, 16, she engaged in sexual relations with Kelly for several months. So, does this child porn involve children and him?
0: I, no, I don't think he made the child. Oh, wait, he did it. It said he made it. So. He makes
1: child porn uh, and he's having so. sex with kids. Is he filming himself? I mean, I don't even want to know. He, I'm just. It sounds okay, like whatever. it, man. It sounds like it. <laughs> okay, so uh, so now the 24 year old, okay, she's grown up. She's a mom of three, um, has decided to speak out desi- uh, despite her non-declosure agreement with the paper, with the rapper. Sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so look at that she's speaking out she
0: broke the contract and she got paid off right and then mm-hmm. she still spoke out uh yeah man. yeah i'm not
1: i'm not surprised i mean uh you know once you get to a certain age um you know you uh you've had these experiences in life and you know you feel like um it's cathartic or something to speak out and you know maybe you can help others that have been that are currently in similar situations or have been before you know
2: I,
0: you know I can't really talk too far into this but I think probably shouldn't have taken the money probably should have spoken out before taking the money Um that's all I
1: gotta say alright yeah all right R Kelly yes okay we so, retard. All right.
0: so I have kind of a two-part <laughs> story uh, the first is Chester Bennington Um his ex-wife is unhappy with his funeral so um, his first wife, Samantha Bennington, uh, took to social media and blasted the way that his funeral was handled uh, in a post on Facebook. She said, My son, Draven, uh, and I have uh, not had the opportunity to speak, not even at his funeral. That only represented his life that uh, he was married with uh, to his new wife. She wrote, "It was a uh, disgusting uh, d- uh, delusional display on all people who spoke at the funeral and their characters." She goes on to make a host of accusations around the funeral and how family members were treated. Her son, in particular. I hope you like capitalizing on his death. Karma is real. She wrote toward the end of the post. I send you back. Uh, all of your energy to a thousand times uh, uh, a thousand time folds. Look in the mirror. I hope you like what you see. Business uh, is business, but I see zero love. Uh, we know uh, who our friends and family are. Uh, so if you uh, if you're offended, she had tons of typos by the way. Um, um, good. Then uh, you read this uh, and it applies. Uh, so I, I don't know what she's saying. She was kind of. I mean, it seems like she was drunk, but. Uh, or she just can't type and she's trashy. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. She she didn't like it, pretty much, is what it comes down to. She wishes to use – I mean, she was part of his life and she wanted to be yeah, a part of the funeral, a part of his death, I guess, right? So, any thoughts?
1: Right. Yeah. No. No thoughts. No
0: thoughts. Okay. Then <laughs> Then we'll tie in um, the story to his uh, his friend who he followed in the footsteps of Chris Cornell Um, who also took his own life. And um, Chris Cornell's widow, uh, Vicky, uh, has announced that she's made it possible for fans to post their very own tributes to the late Soundgarden frontman on his official website. Uh, Since my husband's tragic passing, fans from all over the world have come together to share their feelings about uh, what Chris and his music meant to them, leaving thousands of messages of love while visiting him uh, at Hollywood Forever and online, she wrote on Twitter. You have opened your hearts to me and our children, and we are grateful to you for uh, your sympathy, love, and support, in bringing a solstice, uh, uh, excuse me, solace, and bringing us solstice—excuse me, solace—and helping us heal. Uh, you have given us the hope and strength to endure the pain of these very far, uh, very dark days. Uh, I want to thank all of you, and I hope uh, uh, you will leave your tributes, personal stories, and messages for our family uh, to be shared on Chris's site for everyone to read. So um, you can go to Chris Cornell's website and. Uh, And post that off alright so that's the story for for that so a couple of uh, deaths and their widows and uh, um, and uh, yeah take care of yourselves um, rockers okay Um, Jens you have the next story sir
1: I do the story is about Led Zeppelin uh, specifically Zeppelin's Robert Plant announces first tour dates for Carrie Fire ready for this alright hit me all right, so Zeppelin's frontman Robert Plant has announced dates for fall UK uh, tour in support of his forthcoming album, Carry Fire. The four week, 14 date run will open in Plymouth on November 16th, with shows wrapping up in Birmingham on uh, December 12th. I didn't know there was a Plymouth in the UK. But that explains a lot for why there's a Plymouth in the U.S.
0: Does it? Why is that? Because
1: because you know a lot of the names for places in the U.S. originally came from other countries, like the you know like the U.K.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Okay,
1: yeah, good to know. So I'm surprised in the U.S. it's not called New Plymouth. Plymouth. It's just Plymouth. So. Anyway, I, re, I digress uh, So, ahead of the tour Plant will release his 11th album, Carry Fire on October the 13th. The rocker produced and recorded the follow-up to 2014's Lullaby and The Ceaseless Roar with the sensational Space Shifters The project features appearances by Albanian cellist I'm going to massacre this guy's name I'm so sorry, Radai Hassa. Okay. Okay. That sounded good. Okay. Uh, Renowned viola and fiddle player, Seth Lakeman, and pretender singer, the one and only Chrissy Hine. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's about intention. I respect and relish my past works, but each time I feel the lure and incentive to create new work. I must mix old with new, Plant explains. Consequently, the whole impetus of the band has moved on its axis somewhat, the new sound and different space giving away to exciting and dramatic landscapes of mood, melody, and instrumentation. So, uh, Plant is previewing the fall release with a lyric video for, this, for the lead single, The May Queen. Uh, there are tour dates online.
0: And you're a big Robert Plant fan, right?
1: i uh I, I I wouldn't say I'm a huge okay. zeppelin plant fan, but um I would not mind you know sitting down in a comfy chair and just soaking in some plant.
0: All right, sounds good. I'm not a big plant fan, so I'll let you do the soaking there, okay? I'll
1: tell you about it after I'm done soaking.
0: All right, I have one more story, and you said you have one more, right?
1: I do, yeah, so I'll close it out after you're done.
0: Okay, so my last story is a rumor, uh, and uh, rumors are swirling that that a Super Bowl tag team of Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake are currently in talks about headlining the coveted halftime slot at next year's uh, Super Bowl set for the U.S. Bank Stadium on February fourth, 2018. According to a report in the rumor mill section of the industry trade uh, hits Daily Double, it could happen. Timberlake and Jay-Z have history together. They've uh, embarked on the joint uh, Legends of the Summer Tour in 2013. They've also appeared on each other's songs, uh, including Timberlake's uh, Suit and Tie and Jay's Holy Grail. So um, Jay-Z's never appeared on the Super Bowl stage, but Timberlake has been a part of the halftime show more than once. You'll remember his performance with Janet Jackson uh, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, where he uh, pulled off her, uh, you know, breast or thing, right? <laughs> yes, the uh, whole uh, what was the name of that?
1: The whole, uh, wardrobe yeah. malfunction.
0: Yeah, he was also <laughs> uh, for, first appearance was in 2001 when he was still a member of In Sync. They perform mm-hmm. and they performed alongside Britney Spears, Aerosmith, Nelly, and Mary J. Blige. So, um, so that may be coming. We'll see. Nothing official announced as of yet. So. All right.
1: That's exciting stuff. Good times.
0: Uh, what's your last story, ends?
1: Well, my last story is about a gentleman by the name of Ronald James Padavona. You do get have you the Have you ever heard of Ronald James Padavona? Uh,
0: I have not, but you're going to tell me all about him.
1: Yes. If you have not heard of him, uh, I would not be surprised because his stage name is Ronnie James Dio.
0: Ah, that that makes sense. Okay. Or
1: Dio. I think it's Dio. Dio gosh, just go okay. go with it. Okay. Come okay on. I'm going with it. I'm going with Dio. Okay. Uh, for those of you that do not know him, he is an American singer, songwriter, and musician. He fronted and or founded numerous groups including Elf, Rainbow, Black Frickin' Sabbath, Dio and Heaven and Hell. Yes. He's is credited with popularizing the metal horn's hand signature in metal culture, That's what this, and was this known one, yeah. for his medieval-themed lyrics.
0: The horns, Jens, the horns. This is him. The horns.
1: He started that. That's him. Yes. He did the horn thing. He did. Yes. And you butchered That's his name. So go ahead. cool. I did. I'm sorry. I'm totally sorry, Ronnie. Right. So anyway, uh, so he unfortunately passed away. Um, this was quite some time ago, in fact. Yeah. Uh, he lived from 1942 and passed away um, in the May of 2010. Um, but you know what? What? His spirit lives on, Steve. It
0: does, of course, in the horns, His
1: yes. spirit lives on in the horns, not just on the horns, but apparently he has come back from the dead, and this guy is so badass, he's touring.
0: Oh, that is awesome, okay.
1: No joke. This guy is touring. Up to 100 dates are planned for North America, Europe, South America, and beyond.
0: I think we talked about this. It's a hologram, right? Like, they're, we doing, did. The, they're doing the hologram, so. Uh, have do, we short, shared the story yeah. before? We, we have, but do you have dates? Do you have Bay Area? Yeah,
1: so. I do. I've got dates. I have dates. So it is a hologram, um, and let's see here. Uh the dates I have are for the rest of the year. So um it's all in um in Europe. So we're talking about places like Helsinki, uh, Stockholm, Oslo, Warsaw, Barcelona.
0: Um you said there's a hundred dates, so it's gotta come here
1: to the bay, right? Like- it's gotta come here. So you know this I got so excited when I read the story again that um I feel like we've gotta go. I, I just I need to see this hologram, like rock the stage. For an entire set.
0: Okay. Uh, you you find out the date, and we'll see if we can make it happen. How's that?
1: That sounds great. And um, I'm really curious to know how they're gonna how they're gonna do this with the voice, right? I mean, they can do the image, but how do they match so, the voice to the image? Do they take pre-recorded concerts or something, and it's all uh, kind of lip sync, so to speak?
0: So I heard, I mean, there's going to be a lot of... uh, What I'm reading here is the hologram set will differ from night to night. Audiences should expect to see the Dio band also perform with vocalist Tim Ripper Owens and Oni Logan on uh, select dates. So uh, it's going to be a lot of the live band playing and supporting it. But, I mean, I imagine it might be recorded uh, audio from his live performances, right? So, I mean, that's the only way... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way to do it, so
1: yeah so um, essentially uh, uh, Wendy his wife uh, said her late husband would have approved of the tour. Um, she says Ronnie is always wanting to experiment with new stage ideas and was a really big Disney fan so loved you know big stage performances and uh, you know for people that never knew um, you know his music because you know they just didn't know him or they were too young or something and now have a chance to you know, see him
0: live, so to speak. I mean, not live, I wouldn't say, but
1: <laughs> but as live as you can get. let's, let's get to see his
0: image. Uh, maybe right. I don't know if "live" is the word I would use, but but
1: we'll go. Well, can it. you imagine if this yeah. if stuff like this takes off? You know, you could go see the Beatles or something. You know, they're the holograms uh, of them back in the '60s when they were playing in Golden Gate Park or someplace. Yeah. How fun. I,
0: uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't caught up with all of that. I don't have, I don't do VR or, you know, 4D. I don't have a 3D television. I, you know, I'm behind the, t- I don't even have a Blu ray player, man. Like, I'm really behind the times in a lot of ways. So, I, I don't know if I'm front of that line. I think it'd have, it'd have to be around a little bit before I
1: die. Uh, you know, I think a lot of that stuff you just mentioned are just gimmicks. Um, you know, it's all about kind of streaming now, but I think there's, there's going to be, uh, the technology will be out there someday where the holograms are just awesome. You know, you walk into a movie theater There's no there's not a screen anymore. There's just an empty Box in front of all the people where an entire hologram of you know, vivid live-action Video happens it's gonna be killer
0: one day. It'll, it'll be amazing. Every life will be a hologram. I can't wait Exactly All right, Uh, so those are the stories we have for Music News today, and um, some interesting ones, and a a really great chat with Martin Barr. So uh, thanks again to Martin for being on the program. Um, To play us out, to to wind us out, we're going to play a song from uh, a concert I went to this past week, because we didn't have any live audio yet, right? I mean, usually we play some songs from the artists we have on, but we did the interview in advance of his shows. Um, coming up uh, this week in the Bay Area. So um, check him out. He's playing Petaluma, Sacramento, Santa Cruz, I believe. Uh, so he'll be um, around several dates uh, for Martin Barr, really great performer. Um, and um, so, but I went to another show with our um, uh, buddy Joe and his wife, uh, Jackie, and a band that uh, they really like and, uh, and we've had on the podcast before um, before you came on. actually, I think it was one of his last interviews. Um and uh and they put on a pretty cool show. They're like electronic dance kind of music. Uh and uh it's a band called Sylvan Esso. Um and uh, and it was a great show. It was at Loganitas in uh, Petaluma. I'd never been there before, but just chilled out on the, the lawn, enjoyed uh enjoyed the show. Two bands. It was an early show also. Uh it started at like six and ended eight thirty, so you know, got home at a decent time. <laughs> and uh um, and it was cool I mean it, it, it was a lot of fun I, I mean I th- think they even I mean they ended early like it was supposed to go until 9 and they ended at like 8.35 or something I mean it ended a lot earlier than I expected but um, but it was a good show we're going to play you out with uh, one of their songs um, it's called uh, Die Young so uh, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline that is Jed and S- Shippel
1: and that is Steve Jones
0: and we will catch you next time
2: i had gonna oh, you me was gonna leave early, so we'll be swiftly. Maybe in a fire or crash, or forever, People in weak So me I was gonna die